You're listening to the Empowering Process Podcast with your host, Gail Kraft. Listen as she holds frank discussions around how your purpose, being present, and trusting your power impacts your life. Whether you're an entrepreneur, leader, or developing your vision, you'll find wisdom and insights you can utilize right now. Welcome your host, Gail Kraft. Hey, everybody, Gail Kraft here with the Empowering Process podcast, and I have with me a friend, Travis Crutcher. You're going to love, love, love the discussion he and I are going to have. Let me tell you a little bit about Travis. Uh, by the way, Travis, thank you for your time. Thank you for coming. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's going to be great. So Travis is a retired infantry senior, non-commissioned officer, and a ranger. He served in multiple senior leadership positions, both statewide as well as deployed. During his time in service, Travis cultivated his unique style and helped junior leaders develop into the next generation of dynamic leaders. And believe me, he has a unique style. (laughs) Since retiring from the United States Army, Travis has continued his work in helping companies, leaders, and individuals unlock their full potential. He does this by sharing 15 years of leadership experience, candid real world stories, and applicable interpersonal skills. By teaching Travis's methodologies, leaders are able to get clarity, increase influence, and make lasting sustainable impact. So yes, increase influence and clarity, crazy, right Travis? It's it's fun. (laughs) <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Clarity. I mean, <laughs> who needs it? So oh, yeah, definitely. You know, just just get there. I will tell you a quick story, and then I want to start hearing from you. You know, I've been you know in corporate America. I was in corporate America for uh, quite a while, and in very high influential roles. And I would always say, "What's it look like when we're done? Right. Why are we doing? What's the purpose? Does it fit in with our vision?" And when I switched to being a consultant, I would foolishly ask the same question, (laughs) right? And the response was, I hired you to just to do the job, but I don't know why I'm doing it. Right. So I can't make choices when I have to. Why is a tricky question for people, isn't it? Oh, they're so afraid of it because they're not clear. And what's crazy is you and I both know, especially the nature of our work now, like, you start with that end state and work your way backwards. Always. It's so much easier. Oh my so God. much easier to get to the end state. Right. If right. you can figure out that end state why. And but the other thing, we could go deep in the weeds on that. But you know, I don't want your two-month why. I want your 10-year why. Yes. 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 However, you know, and then we'll get to why we're here. Who knows how <laughs> this is going to go? Travis, we'll just talk. Right? We can make it up. It's fine. Yeah, we can make it up. So, you know, so I had a client when, when I first started out. So a lot of these experiences, thank you. When I first started out, I had some really tough situations. And, you know, I said, in five years, where do you see yourself? And he couldn't dream. Right. He, he couldn't get there. And in his and I've had many clients who have been like that. They don't know how to dream because as children, they didn't dream. Right. You know, for him, he didn't have to. He was going to go into his father's business. He was from Ireland. Whoops, he married a girl in America. Guess <laughs> what? He's not going into dad's business. So he he didn't know how to dream. So we had to work on that kind of stuff first. Yeah, yeah it's right? tough. 
Yeah. And then, you know, I had another who was sickly as a child, still dealt with, with sick issues. And all he dreamt about was not hurting tomorrow. Oh, yeah. 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 I, when you get stuck in those boxes, it's very difficult to think outside of them, especially when it pertains to something for yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so, yes, we got there. It's like, well, what, what about five days from now? Right. What about two weeks from now? Right. What about a month from now? Oh, ooh, that hurts. Okay, let's go four weeks. Isn't that a month? <laughs> uh, semantics are important. Yes. Yeah, it's perspective. So, so Travis, we want to get back to your unique style. You know, um, you've been dealing with leaders for a while now, and a lot of what you bring to the table are the experiences that you learn both as a military man and, and in combat. And so let's talk about some of those stories and how those translate into real world corporate or even entrepreneurial decision sure. making. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, it it all started when, like we'll do a whole whole Genesis story, right? Uh, yeah. But the reality is like, you know, I was, I was kind of painfully shy till about third grade and then kind of, you know, then I kind of quit caring a little bit, but I, I'll never forget. And I think you and I talked about this story briefly when I first enlisted in the army, um, we get to Fort Benning, Georgia, or as it's known better as like the home for wayward boys, right? We get there and there's 240 of us in the company, but 60 in my platoon. And I'll never forget the first day there, my drill sergeant, Robert Union Shank, opens the door of his office, says, clean the barracks and slams the door. We haven't, we, we have no idea what we're doing. Ne never met each other. I don't know anyone's names. He just tells 60 complete strangers to, to fix a problem. And to this day, I will never be able to pinpoint the why that I decided to open my mouth, but everyone's just standing there. I think it was fear. Fear propelled me to go forward because everyone's standing there. And I realized like, if someone doesn't do something soon, we're all screwed. Right. And so what fell out of my mouth was a workable plan and 59 other humans decided that would work and they started doing it. And that was really the Genesis moment for like my entire leadership career. It's so funny that it's such a small moment in time, but really like in that moment, I was like, okay, I can do this if I just open my mouth a little bit. <laughs> and I think a lot of times in leadership, there's someone over there with a better way, but they're afraid to open their mouth, whether it's because of judgment or because they think they're going to look stupid, you know, that they're all going to laugh at you, right? From Carrie, like, but we have that like in us. And I think that's one of the hardest hurdles for people in leadership to overcome is to just open your mouth, let the words fall out. Yeah, I, it has a lot to do with judgment. I, I spend a lot of time, I have training courses and, and spend a lot of time on judgment with my, my clients. And um, I used to say to, to not let judgment affect you and to stop judging right. until I realized that is humanly impossible. Sure. Because our job is to make choices. And in order to make choices, you're judging. We have to judge things, yes. <laughs> right? I, I, I like this. I don't like that. Whoops, there's a judgment, right? So I think a lot of times what folks have a tendency to do, though, is, you know, everyone's got their little hangups, their little personal picadillos and the things that they're insecure about, even though on the surface, they may seem like they're wildly confident about everything. And what humans do, at least what I've seen, especially in the leadership world, is that you will project your insecurities and make it, you think that's what that person thinks of you. And so everyone you meet, you're like, well, they, they think my haircut's stupid. They think this tie looks dumb, like whatever it is. And so you're, you lack the confidence over your mouth because you're projecting your own insecurities on other human beings. And that's just, I mean, it's like when you look in the mirror, if you can objectively go, okay, no one else sees the imperfections that I see. 
you probably look great, but you're, you're insecure about it all day because you've got one hair that won't lay down right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's in it and it affects your ability to make informed decisions. Right. It affects your ability to stay in a leadership role. Right. And it affects the team that is dependent on you to defend them, to, you know, stand up for them, to give them guidance right? If you're not confident in who you are, right? The, the shit will hit the fan. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. And, and you know, it really depends. Like there's nuance to all that kind of stuff. You know, it depends on how long you've worked with the team too. Like how, how truly transparent you can be with how screwed up the situation is. <laughs> um, but I can, I mean, I can't tell you how many times, like I'd get a mission brief and I go brief my guys and it's like, in the back of my head, it's like, this is not good. This is not, this is a really bad situation, but I have to brief it. Like, it's going to be awesome guys. We're going to, we're going to kill it. We're going to do so good. And all the guys are not going to shoot at us and we're not going to get blown up at all. <laughs> There'd be no guns. <laughs> and you know, after two or three months in, in Baghdad, they're like, okay, whatever. Like they know better, but you have to, you have to own the space you're in, you know, even if you're not, I hate the term fake it till you make it. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about being disingenuous. We're talking about like, you have to Jim Jones yourself. You've got to drink your own Kool-Aid first before anyone's going to line up behind you to drink it. I love that. Yes. Um, actually, the, the coach that you both of us met each other on, he right. and I had a conversation um, not too long ago. And one of the things that he said to me is that you're one of the few coaches who actually practices what she preaches. Right, right, right. How can I, how can I coach someone and you practice what you preach? How can you possibly tell someone this is going to be awesome if you haven't done it yourself? If you can't apply it yourself, 100%. Right, right? or say, this is going to suck, but it's going to be great at the end. I I'll go with yes. you. I'm there with you. But so many people fail to do that. You know, yeah. I think a lot of times, particularly again, back to the leadership perspective, just in those moments where you know it's going to be a dicey situation, you know it's going to suck and you may not be confident in the situation, but if you've led appropriately up to that point, if you followed like coach, train, mentor, make sure you've empowered your subordinates to know their job inside and out and your job as well, then you can have confidence in your preparedness. So you don't have to care about the situation. You know you're ready for whatever it is. Right, so in business, that preparedness, um, one of the things that I talk about, because I have a project management background with, with, along with my leadership, is risk management. Right. What's the worst thing could, that could happen? Oh, my okay, goodness. Now, what are the odds that it's going to happen? Okay, let's not waste our time on that. But what potentially might happen? So what's your contingency plan? And what happens is, out of the 500 things that you come up with, two may actually happen. Right. But when the shit hits the fan that you didn't think of, you have trained yourself to plan and respond. Are you suggesting you be proactive rather than reactive? Oh my gosh. Yes. I think. How I dare you? How I dare know. you? <laughs> but it's, it's so true. And I think, you know, to your point, like the, the more contingency planning obviously was a huge part of my life before now, but it's like, when you set yourself some parameters for like you said, the worst case scenario. Right. And you realize, okay, that, like you said, it's very slim that that's going to happen. I mean, you know, like it's very, 
is there a possibility that our vehicle is going to get hit and all of us die? Yeah, but it's slim given statistics. You know, one of us will be all right, <laughs> whatever. Right. Um, and so then if you if you deal with that first and then you you go the other direction to like, oh, crazy wazoo, best case scenario. Oh, we roll into downtown Baghdad and they have a party for us. Probably not right. going to happen either. Right. So now you can stop that catastrophizing that stops forward action and you can narrow your focus on the actionable things. Right, right. And that is so, so important. And again, when I was... When I was in business, I was able to to work on risks because I was in a leadership role. But as a consultant, you know, I would come up with, okay, so what are the issues? What is the potential of failure? Where are the breaking points? Where are the weakness? Where's the resource constraints? Okay, this will go fine. Hell no, it's not going to go fine. Right. Right. And I'm going to make a list of things I know will go wrong. Sure. And And, and then it really boils down to like, once you start going through that list of potential pitfalls, a lot of times you're going to find something systematically broken. Yes. You know, you start looking at hard data and realize, okay, well, this is broken every time. Why? Right. right. And it, so often it's just a slight, you know, slight deviation left and everything's back on track and we're fine. Right. Right. And it doesn't take, well, it takes being honest and it takes, um, it takes balls. It takes balls, you know, sure. the last corporate job I had, and this is why I was out of corporate. One of the things I did was a lessons learned. I had one of the worst projects that company ever saw. Right. And I ran into every pitfall weakness that company had along the way, including, never mind, doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> and when I presented first to leadership, my SWAT, right? And here are the issues. And here's what we can do about them. Right. I was told you cannot present this. We cannot talk about this. We cannot verbalize these problems. And I'm like, they're systematic and there are solutions. Right. I'm not pointing fingers at you're a bad department or you're a bad manager. I'm saying we are systemically broken, but we can fix it. But I think so many people, you know, you and I are, we're in a good space where we can look at, you know, failure as a growth opportunity. Yes. And so many people look at failure as like the end. It's, right. oh, I'm in trouble because I failed. Right. You know, I think I it's because of how we grew know. up with a big red F on your paper. Like you got to hide that from your parents or you're going to catch a beating kind of thing. <laughs> but that's just, I mean, that's not reality. And the, the truth of it is if you're leading appropriately and you're leading with transparency, like. You, you welcome that criticism. You welcome an opportunity to improve your team. Right. It's that ego that gets in the way of, of taking that criticism and running with it and improving stuff. Right. And it, and it causes such, it causes distrust. It causes, you know, learning how to do things behind, you know, behind closed doors. It really is just horrific. Um, I did a major project one time. This is when I was in a leadership role. And um, it was going to, all systems came down, everything, it was brutal and, you know, distance. We were right. not like in the same room. And so I'm working with IT and I, there's a failure point. I want a risk management plan for that. There's a failure point. I want a risk management plan for that. Right. And they gave me such flack, but the weekend that we took this place down, two of them hit and I had the customer in the room with me and I would right. just send a text, pull out the plan, bam, fixed. Pull right. out the plan, bam, fixed. 
that customer, when we were done, said, Gail, I didn't think you were able to pull this off. That was amazing. And it, all it took was a little bit of like introspective thought and right? honesty, you know? Right, we've got a weak point here. We have a weak point there. And That's I think it's, people don't, people, like you said, you tore it all down. People are so uncomfortable with the notion of like, okay, maybe it's broken at every level. Maybe it all needs to get ripped down and rebuilt. But, you know, I, my very first unit in the military um, is actually part of one of my keynotes because it's, it was so pivotal in my life was we had a particular platform that we operated off. We had Humvees um, and they took those away from us. And they gave us this eight wheeled apparatus called a striker that no one in the world had ever used before. <laughs> and, and there wasn't a manual for it. There was no rules. We didn't know. No one knew how to use it. They gave it to us and said, you guys are going to go to Iraq in 18 months. And we're like, okay. And I remember, I'll never forget it. Little baby private crutcher standing in rainy Fort Lewis, Washington for a month. We're being told it's going to be fine because at the end of the month, the battalion commander is going to talk to us. We're like, great. He's going to have all the answers. We're standing out in the rain. Here comes battalion commander. He's like, all right, guys. So I know you guys are all waiting on the answers about how this is going to work and what, how we're going to implement and who's going to work where, because we've got to restructure everybody now. He's like, I don't know, but we're going to figure it out together. Awesome. And I can tell you the result was amazing. We ended up being part of the expeditionary force. We were there during the invasion and we were to date the most successful deployed unit in the history of the army because amazing. we took bottom up feedback the doer level, what they had to say mattered. And right. it created a, an environment of like, you and I've talked about it before in other forums, but when you feel like you work with someone rather than for someone, it's a wildly different dynamic. Right, right, because, because that's where the ego is left at the door, right? And 100%. that has an awful lot to, to do with it, is that ego is interesting because I had a conversation about ego Ego's been this week's word, I think. Right? <laughs> right? Um, ego is incredibly important because its job is to keep you safe. Right. Ego is incredibly destructive because its job is to keep you safe. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's learning when to turn it on and turn it off that people right? really struggle with. I mean, you right. need it in certain instances. like, But right. in a leadership perspective, uh, you know, you can just drop it. Just show up humble. And things are going to work out for you, I promise. Right. And it, and it depends. So um, I'll give you an example where, where I had to throw my ego on. So my first job as a manager. And I was pretty collaborative with the group. Again, bottom up, right? They sure. do the work. I don't. They know the issues. Tell me right. about them. Um, I would take your feedback. But then I had to make the decision, right? And there was um, a decision I had made. And I was having a team meeting and one of the members in the team said, well, I don't think we voted on that. Right. And, and I looked at her and, and it could have been him, but I had mostly women. I said, I'm so sorry if I confused you. There must have been something I said that gave you the impression that this was a democracy. It is not. And, and there is, I, of course, from my background, completely agree with like, sometimes you, you know, the more lax environment you create, the more successful it will be, but also sometimes like you've got to remind because ultimately you're accountable for the success and failures of the team. Right. I'm the one who's, who's, but, and that's how I, I manage it. I get reamed, you get yes, rewarded. A hundred percent. I get reamed, you get rewarded. And people suck at that too. Yes. You know, leaders yes. are quick. I'll quit using that because we're managers are quick to throw someone under the bus for a system falling apart. Like it's Brenda's fault. No, it's not Todd. It's your fault because you didn't lead them appropriately. Like 
it is the leader, the onus is on the leader 100% of the time if it fails. 100% if, of the time. If it succeeds, it's through their efforts. Absolutely. I mean, that's just the way it is. Absolutely. And, and they will throw themselves on, in front of a train for you. A hundred percent. Yes. hundred percent. And I, I, I had it happen. I will, I'll give you one more story. Then we can, can get back to some of the methodologies <laughs> that you use. Um, yeah, this, this was, um, I was working in the controllers department of big company, national company. And um, one of my staff didn't follow procedures and a huge refund went out that should not have gone. Whoops. And the person didn't cash it, but it came back through marketing, which was like a big, right? Right. My CFO came out of his office, who, and then here's the language, who the fuck did this? (laughs) Right. And I stood in front of the poor girl and him, and I said, it's my fault and I'll take care of it. And then he had a few choice words for me and stormed back in his office. So I went into my my office and took a look and my boss came over and he goes, you fucked up. I said, I know it's my fault. I obviously missed something in training. I'm going to go through my training and see where I screwed up and go through it with her again. And this will never happen again. It's my fault. What's amazing. And I'm sure this was your experience is that because in those moments, you look at the person who who did the thing and you're like, it's all good. We're going to figure it out. I know. She was dying. And and you alleviated all that stress. That person will never, ever do it again. You no. didn't have to lose your mind. You didn't have to write anybody up. You didn't have no. to. No one lost their job. It's a mistake. Right. And now she will jump through flaming hoops over shark tanks for you because mm-hmm. you showed a little bit of grace. Right. 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 I mean, the, and, and that that shows character. It shows integrity. And I think integrity is another word that people don't understand. I think a lot of times people, they misinterpret their role. I mean, your role as a leader is to facilitate the success of your team. And if that means, you know, Superman jumping in front of the speeding bullet for him, you do that. Right. So they can keep doing what they're there to do. Right. And that's exactly what, that's a good analogy because that's how I looked. I looked at myself like, I'm standing in front of right. you. Right. right. No one can touch you so that you can do your work. I mean, good leaders insulate their their folks, yeah. not just from inside, but as best you can from outside influencers. If there's outside stressors, kiddos sick, cars broken down, do what you can to facilitate that. Insulate them from nonsense so they can perform optimally while they're there. Right. And and that's where success comes. Absolutely. Right. I mean, that's how I got on the board of directors. That's how I moved up as quickly as I can. Right. Uh, that's how I implemented projects, literally, Travis, that went on for years and no one no one could get the damn thing off the ground. They give them to me and six months later, it's operational. Right. Yeah. Right. Wasn't me. It's a totally different animal when you've got people working with you right. towards a common goal. Right. Yep. Right. So talk to talk to me about um, some of the challenges that you face with your clients and how you help them. You know, it. I've got clients in all different spaces. Um And one of the big ones, like, and I know it's not even part of what we talked about, but I'm sure you can commiserate is the planning aspect, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's the planning and the, the inability to, to think beyond the three month mark, you know, back planning was such a big part of what I did in the military. We would have to have a whole fiscal year planned out to, and that's everything like land ammo stuff we're going to be doing all year. And so that's easy for me to do. Um, but folks have a hard time, like when they're doing their goals list, 
and they say, you know, I want to achieve X, Y, and Z. Like I've got a bunch of entrepreneurs who they're trying to build their businesses and they, they want to get to, but they, they canalize their own dreams. Like I want to, I want to X5. I'm like, well, okay. And what, what else? That's, that's not a goal. That's a car. Like, tell me what you want. You know, like mine's crazy. I go, you know, I, my thing is like, if I aim for the moon, and I hit stratosphere, I still did way better than the dirt right in front of me. Right. You know I mean? <laughs> and so it's, it's having them like step outside from it. Just like you were talking about those people who have those insecurities from when they were a kid, like mm-hmm. have a hard time dreaming for themselves. Like if you can get an established why going for yourself, that in-state goal, that 10 years from now where you want to be, man, that's like your, your lighthouse in the storm of life where it doesn't matter what Tuesday throws at you, how wonky it gets, yeah. you can you can stay fixated on that. And if you can start working your way back, like we already talked about, yeah. you've got that concrete instinct and you work your way back and all the moving pieces are going to fall into place. And the, the thing, so I love um, Simon Sinek and, you know, I was all about why before I even knew the man existed. So when I discovered him, I was like, Oh, he's my people. Right. <laughs> right? Um, but he just, he recently came out with a book called the infinite game. Mm-hmm. highly highly recommend it because that's about he gives example after example after example of corporations who are very successful because they have an infinite mindset versus the similar that has a finite mindset right. and their struggles right and so if you're looking at what's in front of your nose the next month the next quarter the next six months if that's how you are measuring yourself you're going to implode. Oh, for sure. Right? You will not sustain. But if you have, you know, I have this this vision now, right? Because of that book that is not attainable. Right. Right. And that's perfect. It's awesome because it will (laughs) last me the rest of my life. Yes. That's my why. And you know, like I, you know me, we're at a little more personal level. And so, you know, my family and I are like big Disney nerds. Yeah, I love it. But there you go, right? So imagine though, if in 1935, Walt Disney was like, I got this mouse, I'm good. Yeah. I mean, we're, and they've got whole departments called Imagineers. These are people whose sole job is to just think up new stuff. Right. I mean, and so would you call that like a pretty successful business model? Yeah, because they're always looking beyond the the fiscal year, the quarter, the whatever I mean, look, we both can agree that KPIs are important. Like you've got to keep your, well, your you, eyes you, on you've that. You've got to have a measure of some sort, but it doesn't rule you. But if you can, I mean, get in your DeLorean and then go 10 years in the future and figure out pie in the sky, stupid, unattainable, like you said, here's where I want to be and aim for that. That Because when you look at that quarterly metrics, like you're going to get substandard results. It's going to be eh. You know, you might be, you might hit good enough, but you're really going to be like 1.1% off from where you wanted to be from hitting your numbers. Like, don't look at that. Look at, my friends and I used to have a saying anytime we'd go anywhere and it was, we didn't come to participate. We came to take over. I love that. And I think folks come to life to participate far too often. Well, they don't know how to take over. They've been programmed to just participate. Sure. You know, but like, I never... I never took a position in the military and didn't look two levels above me and say, well, that's the job I'm really going for. I never took a job in the civilian sector in corporate America. And okay, you're in charge of these departments. Mm, Am I, or am I really like way up there? Like 
that's the goal. If I'm a part of this, I don't want to be just the cog. Like I want to be up here. So let's talk a little bit about setting goals because this is the first before bleh, before I even knew what I was doing. I'm in corporate America. I'm just, I'm young, right? And my boss says, "So what's your goal? Your five year goal?" Right. I said, "I want your job." <laughs> and he's like, "Really?" I'm like, "Hell yeah!" Had it in two. Yep. You know, when I was a, a brand new private to my first unit ever, I, I screwed something up. Um, and so I got in a little bit of trouble, like very early on, first couple of weeks there. And I was sitting down with my first squad leader and he goes, what do you want? And I said the same thing. I said, I want your job. And I want all these folks in this section to work for me one day. And he laughed and showed up two years later. Right. That happened. That exact that's thing happened. A five-year goal that you believe in. And that's, you believe that you can do it and you believe that you deserve it deserve right. if i want to put one word to why clients come to me de deserve they don't think they deserve their dream yeah and that's man that you know that's tied into so much baggage from environmentals from upbringing from you name it like a tv show that hit you wrong like whatever it could be anything right. and like man I, I what i tell them is that's bullshit yeah you're lying to yourself. You're letting whatever, like, tell you who you are. That's nonsense. That's right. nonsense. Right. So from a, the brain perspective, your brain is like a, a blank computer. Right. Program, program, program. Up until around the age of seven to nine. It's at, it's at that age, around nine, that you start making decisions for yourself. But 85 to 90% of your programming happened then. Sure. Yep. So you're making emotional decisions like a seven-year-old. Right. So when I say that to my clients, they're like, what? I'm like, you are responding based on the information you received at seven. Yes. Can we, and how old are you? And how many years has that been? Do you think it's time to change? And then there's where the challenge is, right? That's um, the challenge. Yes. Because neural pathways are hard to carve. Yeah, and that's what it's I do. <laughs> easy when you're a kid, right? Because it's the first time you're receiving the information and that's the way it is. Right. But when you get older and you're trying to out, outweigh that with new information, what does it take? You've got to practice all that stuff. You've got to practice. Yes. Because other, I mean, really like anything beyond that that time frame you're talking about, like those are all now skills. This isn't just the way it is. These are skills you have to develop and cultivate to be able right. to inculcate into what the hell you do. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, oh my God, we could go on and on forever. Travis. <laughs> <laughs> so some of the things, so you know that I am um, NLP master um, trained and I fell into that, certainly not planning to incorporate NLP into my training. Right. I'm just curious as what the hell is this? Right. Same thing with coaching. I never planned to be a coach and right. I'm like, what the hell is this? I'm like, Oh, this is like cool. <laughs> you discovered you've been doing it organically for like 20 years, right? Right. But you didn't know. Um, and the, the reprogramming requires a variety of skills. Oh, for sure. Because you have your DNA, your body responds before your brain even knows that you've been triggered. Right. Right. And so it's physi physiology as well as psychology, as well sure. as emotional. And it, it's complex and it's rooted. To get to 
Oh, my cat, my dog just had a dream. <laughs> <laughs> to get yourself to the point where you identify that you, you physically are starting to get triggered. Then you can choose. Whoa. Right. That was, that happened when I was 12. That is not what's happening right now. Exactly. Yep. Right. Right. Um, and then not get triggered. Well, and one of the tricks, you know, one of the tools that I kind of empower my clients with is you got to have like real time resiliency skills, you know, and one of the things that I use is sentence starters. And so when you get into that moment where it's like, let's say that you, you have to go give a presentation in front of the, the board, you know, and, and the day of you're like, oh, I'm nervous. They're not going to listen to me. They're going to laugh at me. They're going to think I suck. Like all those negative self-talk things that start happening. Like you can qualify yourself right off the bat. Like sentence starters are simple. It's like, no, that's not true. Right. So you start there, but right. then what you've got to say next has to be quantifiable, has to be true. Otherwise it won't stick. Right. And you but, have and to believe it. Sure. Because what if that situation is easy? Like, that's not true because I was chosen for this for a reason. I'm qualified because of X, Y, and Z. And if, if nothing else, they have to listen to me because Brad's going to be in there and tell them to shut up and turn their phones off. Right. Like, you're good. So in those moments where you start doing that, like, reset back to what you used to know about yourself or what you've told yourself for 20, 30, 40 years, do some of that in the moment and go, okay. Like, and that, that's just a fancy way of telling yourself you're full of shit. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> but that's okay. Right. It's okay to have that conversation with yourself. Um, and another um, physiological, there's a couple of physiological things. The, the quickest way to change your state is through physiology. It's not sure. sustainable. You have to do the other work, but it's the quickest in the moment way to do it. And um, if you've watched any of Tony Robbins stuff, he's on a jump in, on a trampoline. Right. Or he right. goes, right. Why is he doing that? To get his energy up. Sure. Right. To get himself ready for the stage so that when he gets out there, he's bigger than, well, it, you know, that does so much for you. It turns on the endorphins, which, you know, fl flood of good brain chemicals happen. So you're, you're open and ready for what's next. Right. Exactly. So before going on stage, there's this, it's, I, I'm not going to do it because it's really crazy. But one of the things I was taught, cause I am a trained presenter, right. Is you get down and you, you like, like scrunch yourself and you're like, and squeeze right. every muscle together and then you relax and you do it again and you relax because you know, there's not a trampoline you don't carry a trampoline with you but it does the same thing right yeah. to kind of release those nerves so there are so many physiological tricks that you can tap into to shift your state so then you can deal yeah for sure right for sure i mean coming out. shoot even even breathing like controlled breathing is a real thing you know? oh yeah and there's so many different methods for it. You know, you've got the five second cadence or positive emotion, all the different ones you can, you can plug and play with. But people on average, if you did a poll of folks, like they don't actually intentionally breathe ever. ever. And it makes a massive difference whether, you know, if you're doing like deep breathing rather than just diaphragm to keep me alive breathing, it's a big right. difference. And one of them, you know, generates ATP synthesis and turns on good brain chemicals. The other one just keeps you moving through the day. So right? intentionally breathing is a big thing too. Well, turning on the, the brain chemicals through your breath, if you can, if you can breathe and imagine, I mean, when I breathe deep, I feel it in my lower back. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Right. And, um, and then feel it go up your spine. That's and cause that's what's happening. So feel it. Right. right. Cause right. Because you, you, your blood is bringing that stuff up there. Right. And you can feel your brain getting stimulated. Yeah, it's, it's a weird thing. It's almost oh. like you're a machine. 
You are a machine. You it's really crazy. are a machine. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so where else? There's so much, so much that I want to cover with you, Travis, and we're just going to take forever. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, so you have people kind of sit down and, and you know, intellectually figure out, you know, this is not going to happen. I'm good at this. I'm not good at that. That's fine. Right. I was chosen for a reason. I can do this. Then what? Well, you know, that's, that's the tough part, right? Um, so many people, I, then what is a multifaceted answer? Um, something that I, I kind of lean on a lot is, you know, you're not in this alone. I think a lot of people become like this island in and of themselves. And they think, particularly in corporate America, like all these go-getters are like, I'm all by myself and I'm just going to go this straight line and I'm going to go to the top. But the reality is like, you're not going to get there by yourself. And, and it's so, not going to be straight. <laughs> right. And so one of the, the things I like to, reflect on a lot of times like when we're doing urban assault stuff in the military it's eventually you're going to kick open a door and go through it and everyone in that stack of four people has their job um and that first entry point we call that the fatal funnel right <laughs> and the last thing you want is for number one to get stuck there to get scared and not want to go through it because they're going down and maybe two and three are going down as well right so it's important to have people on your team because what happens if one freezes Two is pushing one out of the way. Like we're going through the door, dumb dumb. Right. So you need to have people around you so that when you've done all the stuff you can do, like, and so what I like to do is tie people to my why. That 10-year why, it for me, you you know my life. And so you know it's like I've got four kiddos that are my entire world. I've got an awesome wife who does my podcast with me. Like, so if if I get stuck in that fatal funnel for a minute, I'm like, okay, I've got people that are pushing me through this. I can do this because. It's not just me. I'm not right. doing this alone. Right. 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 It's interesting. I had the a podcast that came out today. One of the stories I talk about is um, my short term why. So your why can be to put a roof over my head, sure. to put food on the table. It doesn't have to be, you know, this big, enormous thing. Um, and there was a time in my life where I was on welfare with a one and a half year old daughter. And I was not raising her that way. It was right. a stopgap for three months to get me from A to B. And, and I got a job, which paid me less than I was making on welfare. Right. Plus I lost food stamps and I had to pay childcare, right? Um, I don't know how I made ends meet, but within six months, I had a different job, which paid way better. Right. And within two years, I had that manager's job which would not, I had a house and I was buying a car with cash. And you know, you're a smart lady. So prior to making that decision, you, you did the numbers on everything. You right. knew you were going into something scary. Right. That, but that, that I might be stuck. Pushed right. you through, right? Right. 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 This, this child is not going to be raised this way. We're going to have a better life. We're going to do whatever. And, and we did. And your why, that's what's so great like, when you say that, because I, I know where you are now. Mm -hmm. Your why's continue to grow. Right. Just like that dream is so far away from you, that 10-year unattainable thing. It's like, okay, so we got that. Check that off the list. You know, what's next? Um, I want X, Y, and Z for my family. Okay, check that off. You, your right. why can, it can grow and change. It doesn't have right. to say, that's what happens. Like people get complacent. They check that one off the list. Like, I'm good. Are you though? Are you? Well, and then they get comfortable. And I'll tell you, Travis, some of the, some of my clients, many of my clients, are the are the ones who maybe had a dream 
Right. And, you know, they're successful. They're making really good money. Sure. They have a beautiful home. They have a nice family and they're empty. Right. I mean, we were both there, right? Oh. We both had the money. We both had the oh job. My God. And, we were both and I like, hated this it. Sucks. Yeah. 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 And here I am trying to make it on my own. Well, not trying. I do just fine. Right. <laughs> but even in those moments, like, you know, when I, when I walked away, I, because I had military retirement and now this great job. And so I'm making more money than I've ever made in my life. Right. We, we can afford to do anything we want. But by the time I get on off work and have the time to do it, I don't want to do anything. I'm depleted because I have a soul crushing existence of just going and function all day. And that's the key. Soul crunching. As an entrepreneur, believe me, we don't put in less hours. Oh, no. We put I, in way more hours. When you're your own boss, you can screw up and work all day. <laughs> I, you know, I spent four hours today recouping one transcription because I lost <laughs> a bunch of stuff. Four hours and I lost more than one transcription. Oh, you're better than me. I'd have let it go. Oh, no. No. <laughs> it have been no, gone. <laughs> nope. I want it. I want it. You know, but, you know, that's that's the way it goes. Um because shit happens right, and then sure. you make a decision and you know, I'm like, okay, so the next, I have a whole bunch of them that I paid for and I could just download them. But right. This was one that I happened to have done on my own and like, don't ever do that again, Gail. It's, <laughs> it's worth paying for it. <laughs> but it's just like we, you know, it harkens back to what we talked about before. Like it was a problem and you could have looked at it as a failure, but instead you, you learned a lot. Right. And now if it does ever happen again, that you lose track is like, you know, the process to get it back. Like, right. It's a perspective thing. You could go, God, that sucked. I lost four hours. You go, man, I'm golden next time that happens. Right, right. Because I'm never going down that road again. Right. 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 And, you know, it's, so is it worth it to save 60 bucks? No. <laughs> Ultimately, no. <laughs> no, no. Because it's not that expensive to have a transcription done. Right. <laughs> right. So, um, and so, yes, this will be transcribed. And um, so with that, is there something else that you would like to add before we wrap up, Travis, about the types of things that you do with your clients? You know, I think one of the things that, and it's been kind of my topic for the last week or so, you know, like the universe starts telling you talk about this. And so it may not actually even be in line with anything we've talked about, but it's one of those compulsions at this point. Um, man, I hate to use this verbiage, but I'm going to it. Don't be a douchebag. Okay. And, and apply that information to yourself as well. Like, be a better human because we're so good at, you know, not so good, but folks are generally pretty good about pumping decent into the universe, right? So like pump good into the universe, not just decent, and then apply that same grace to yourself. I think so often what we do is we, we give everyone else but ourselves our very best. Um, and that's really a detriment to you. You know, like for me, oh, yeah. I get up early before everybody in my house. I get up at four o'clock. So I have time to like drink some coffee, lift weights, shower, human up before the first kiddo's out of bed. Right. If I don't do that for me first, if I don't give myself grace and time first, I'm not the best version of me. Oh, absolutely. So I'm, I'm up at three 30. So I'm a little bit ahead of you. Right. Right. Yeah. It's all right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like don't, don't short yourself. Um, show up your best because you're taking care of you. Don't be a douchebag to yourself, if that makes sense. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. That's, you know, the, the, I think of the, the, the whipping yourself, right? And, and people do that. I worked with one, one gentleman and I was a consultant and I was brought in to help him 
who's a new department to create his team. How does this now fit in with the workflow? Right. Right. Who are we? What's the workflow? You know, and help him with his leadership skills. And one of the things that I had a real hard time working with him on was him taking the blame. Right. There's the difference between taking responsibility like I did with that CFO and taking the blame. Yeah, you don't internalize accountability. <laughs> you right. know? No, no. And and it got to the point where even his staff, because I would have one-to-ones with his staff, you know, to, to find out how they were doing. And like, you know, I adore the man, but I really am sick of him taking the blame. And what's crazy too is, and I know you see this with your clients, just like I see with mine is when they get stuck in that, I suck, you know, and they'll come to you with a laundry list of, I suck at this, I suck at this, I suck at this. Like, okay, maybe, what are you doing about it? Right. But so just like start? in that situation you talked about with the big refund, right? it's like you could have been like, I suck. I suck at my job. Yeah, yeah. maybe in that moment you did, yeah. but you fixed it, right? And right. did you ever suck at that again? No. So don't live in it. Don't live in the I suck. Acknowledge it and move through it. Oh my God, we all suck at something. You sure. know, we, we all we we all do. It's, it's just crazy. Um, but yeah, this has been awesome, Travis. I, think I need thank to you do so much again. for having me. Yes, I really enjoyed it for sure. Yeah, we definitely need to, to do this again. And how can people get in touch with you if they want more information? Uh, websites aboveaverageleadership.com. Podcast is Above Average Podcast comes out every Wednesday. It's up before you, I promise. So uh, check it out. And yeah, those are the big ones. I mean, you can watch the stream on YouTube if you want to, if you can tolerate any more of this visual. <laughs> We're there every Monday, so check it out. His podcasts are awesome, guys. You know, I, I pop in every once in a while to listen to, to what it is that you have to say. So absolutely. Gail and, wrote me a wonderful review, actually. That's a oh, true story. It was a while ago then. So it's time for another one. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much. And this is Gail Kraft from the Empowering Process Podcast. And if this resonated with you, please let us know. And if there's something in here that maybe someone you know could, could listen to, and maybe this could help, share this with them and leave comments. I might do an Ask Me Anything based on your comments below. Thank you, everybody. Thank you again, Travis. And have a fabulous day. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Empowering Process Podcast. Be sure to visit Gail at gailcraft.com to learn more about how she serves thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and goal seekers. And remember, if you like this broadcast, be sure to share and subscribe so you don't miss an episode.